What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Lombard Trucking Show. We're at episode 93. want to thank you all for joining me. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm home at the moment, if you couldn't see. Uh, I'm back off the road. And that's how I actually wanted to start this show, was to um, thank everybody uh, who's recently reached out to me. I got a lot of kind words, especially on LinkedIn. Uh, I've been reached out to a lot of, by a lot of old friends, friends of mine from back home. Uh, I, I can't express my gratitude enough for the kind words and support after I released uh, the, my last episode. Um, you know, there's a lot of emotion behind that one. Uh, I, a few messages that stick out to me uh, came from people, fellow drivers uh, who reached out to me on Twitter and specifically, you know, said that they uh, they hated to hear it because they hate to hear uh, somebody with such a passion and such a, you know, they hate to hear, see that a good driver is leaving the industry. Uh, and to hear that means a lot because as I've said in multiple videos, as I've said on this show, I do consider trucking probably, you know, probably the, the most, or if not the most patriotic job one can do, uh, at the end of the day, uh, given all of its flaws and the circumstances going on in the industry, uh, it, it is true, you know, and as corny as it sounds, it's how the country runs and uh, having that direct uh, in the face, you know, in the zone, on the field um, role in the supply chain is, you know, is the is the crux of everything. Transportation. So when it comes when it comes down to the drivers, you know, this industry can run with a few less brokers. It can run with a few less software engineers. It could run with a few less th few less you know, links of the chain, so to speak. But uh, drivers are, you know, a, a different kind of breed when it comes to it. Seeing that direct impact, being somebody who's delivered farm equipment to a gentleman's farm who bought that equipment, that farm's been open for years. You know, that's something that means a lot to me. And like I said, the door's not forever closed, getting back behind the wheel. Like I said, I'm, I'm merely pivoting, leaning into uh, something I know that I'm going to succeed at, be good at. Uh, and at the end of the day, one of the things I'm going to be doing, and this is a direct quote from somebody who I met in Kansas City, and I want to make sure I pronounce his name right. His name's Adam Wingfield. I got to see him speak, and one of the his biggest things was leaving the industry better than we found it, and that is, and I took that to heart when I heard him in Kansas City because that's exactly what I'm going to continue to be doing through pumping out content, through working as a driver recruiter with Hot Seat Services, through becoming a fitness coach, getting more certifications, helping drivers with their health and wellness. And depending on how things can cash flow business-wise, to pivot back into becoming a motor carrier or at least acquiring more equipment one day, it's not out of the realm of possibility. You know, a door, doors necessarily didn't close. They're just, you know, kind of cracked open for right now. Like I said, I don't look at, you know, opportunities and stuff as closed doors, what have you. There's a few closed doors out there. Probably not going to get back in the military. Probably not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to get another undergraduate degree, so, so to speak. Like there's doors that have definitely closed. So we're just moving forward. But uh, without further ado, uh, episode 93, got an awesome guest I'm bringing on, fellow driver out there, uh, Funniest guy we met on TikTok and have always just had funny interactions with each other. He's got a positive personality. He's a fellow tri-stater, OG from New York. So without any further delay, I want to bring bring him on the show, Mr. Eddie, a.k.a. the Interstate Avocado. What's going on, brother? 
nothing much, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate that. I've actually, um, I've listened to a couple of your episodes, man, and I love what you do on social media and that running stuff, man. It gets me pumped, man. It really does. Like, it's it's so great to see something like that on the internet, especially um, in the trucking industry when you have all a lot of negative stuff going on, a lot of negative drivers, a lot of drivers who come out here lying they ass off about anything and everything they can lie about. They're going to lie about it. And I just love to see the honesty, the the, the upbeat spirit. Like, I, I love that because that's the type of person I am. No, I, I can't appreciate that enough. I, my, I've mentioned this before on the show and I've mentioned it in some of the TikTok videos and uh, other types of content is I, look, I view uh, social media and content creation similar to the environment, where as in if you take a barrel of oil and dump it into the river, you probably shouldn't drink out of the river. And so I, I look at so I look at what people dump onto the internet the same way. When you dump nothing but lies, negativity, you know, hate and discontent, polarizing, and you know everything under the sun, everything we see from mainstream media outlets, etc. When you dump that out there, people are you know that's what everybody's consuming, and it's just not good for the environment. And so that's part of the reason what, what gives me the motivation. Hey, I want to make these videos, let people know that hey, they can do hard things. They're worth it. They need to be healthy. Being healthy is how you win. So, man, I, I appreciate it enough. And likewise, back back at you, man. You're you're a positive guy. You share like raw moments on the road. Like I was, you you posted a video just recently by you. You were cooking food in your truck, which I love to see. But you didn't have a fork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was actually I was not going back inside. I was not going to come back to the truck and reheat the food that I already reheated once. You know what? We're gonna make do with what we got. These are God's forks right here. Yeah, go back. Yeah, go back to the original. No, I feel you on that. I've once ran out of forks, only had spoons, and it's and it sucks cutting your chicken with a spoon. But you know, you you get it done. That like right. I said, we do we do the hard things here. Right, right. But so right. where are you at, where are you at right now? Uh, right now I'm just west, east of Cheyenne, coming into Sydney. I'm on a uh, what do you call this? On an on ramp. Ah, okay. So you're just, you're just pulled over taking a break right now. Okay, safely, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah safely. we don't we don't want anybody to think yeah. think it's unsafe. Well, it's daylight out, so you're you're fine. Yeah, it's daylight you're... out. I'm off the I'm off very off on the side, but yeah. Yeah, and you're not. Yeah, as long as you're not doing your ten hour break there, you know. Like I said, oh. we. <laughs> no man, I like to take my ten hour breaks right in the middle of the highway. That's where I like to do mine. Not the fuel island. No man, I leave that for my showers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hopefully anybody listening knows knows exactly what we're talking about. We had, that was actually a conversation we were having on Twitter yesterday. Is the fuel fuel island etiquette? Let me let me ask you. Let's before we get into your story, I, I want to ask you. So what what is proper fuel island e etiquette? What do you think? What do you think is the proper amount of time? And this, so this doesn't mean you're waiting in line when you pull up to uh, when you pull up and you're in front of the nozzles. What do you think is is proper etiquette from that point forward? Well, there's to me personally. I'm not sure about everybody else. Me personally, I have I can have two different answers. I have two different answers. I'm a night driver. I drive nights. At nighttime, I'm not going to find a parking spot to where I can just pull out of the fuel island and go find a parking spot. So it's either the fuel island, take my 30-minute break, or the shoulder on-ramp. And we all see what happened at, um, in Illinois the other day. So at nighttime, personally, I'll take my 30 at the fuel island. Daytime, oh, well. I'll take that back. If it's busy at that fuel island at nighttime, like some places are, 
then I'm I'll figure I'll figure it out down the road. But in the daytime, when everybody's up and moving, you know, the regular nine to fivers, sun up drivers, I'm in and out. I can fuel my truck in about seven, eight minutes, and that's we're talking this truck is about has about two hundred and twenty five gallons capacity. DEF pull up and it only takes me about four minutes to go inside, use the restroom, wash my hands, grab anything that I may need, some snacks and pull out. So I'm in and out within like 13, 14 minutes. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I'd say that's standard. There's probably a lot of people are going to listen to that and, and cheer. That's what I do. It takes, takes 10 minutes to fuel and def up, get your windows. I will pull up, refill my coffee, possibly take a leak and gra- and maybe grab a, a, you know, a ghost energy drink or something. And then I'm out of there. So, I mean, you can in, in, in retrospect, depending on how long you had to wait in line, you can cop a 30 minute break if you're waiting behind somebody who's getting fuel. So it's like, you can get that full off duty time, but for the most part, yeah. Now nighttime, different thing. If you're pulling into a loves and it's two 30 in the morning, you're not going to find anywhere to pull forward and, you know, to, you know, take, finish out your 30 minute break. So I normally, you know, I normally take the end and, it's crazy because a lot of night drivers out there kind of know what's going on. You see a truck with their lights off at the pump. It's at the last pump. You kind of already know what's going on. And then, you know, usually that's the first driver to leave. And then, like, it's it's kind of like night drivers know what's going on at nighttime. Yeah. No, there's a lot of people. Uh, I've seen a lot of comments like that on TikTok where because I've talked I, I've made a lot of videos and posted a lot of clips from this show talking about parking. And that is uh, one of those gripes out there from in the comment section of that's it's it's you solar power drivers who don't have who can never find a parking spot. Yeah, it's always the, the ones who drive when the sun's up. Right. who can't find the spot. And, you know, there's some truth in the middle to that. But not everybody has the opportunity to drive at night because of appointment times and, you know, X, Y, Z. And that's just, you know, that's just how it is, but what can you yeah. do? It's good, but good, good to know. Yeah. So, um, so man, what's your, you know, what's your story, brother? You, where, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? You know, how'd you get into this industry? I see you got so, a Yankees hat on. Yeah. So I'm actually from, I'm from the Bronx. So, you know, I'm a Yankees fan. Um, Mets are, you know, somewhere on the bottom there, but oh, um, tough. they both I suck. To hear. <laughs> they both they both suck right now, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> um, but no, so I grew up in the Bronx. I was uh, born and raised. When I was like about sixteen, I moved to Florida, and then I've been kind of there ever since. But I've been kind of back and forth because I still have family there. Um, so my first trucking like uh, experience that I've ever remembered is my cousin has an uncle who used to drive for Swift way back when I was like, maybe, I don't know, like six or seven. And he used to come with a bobtail around like where we used to hang out and stuff like that. And I've always thought that was like so cool. And then I remember I was like about 11. My aunt took me to Six Flags and on the way back, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back at it now, it was a Peterbilt with a whole bunch of chicken lights pulling uh i want to say it was a cow a cow pot so a swift I truck thought, no 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 a regular regular black peter bill ah okay like and i thought like damn those lights those lights on that truck look so cool like mm. like that looks so nice and then i was about like 10 or 11 and then i didn't think about it again till like i was about like 21 yeah like 21 22 and then i kind of just um I went to go for my CDL and then I had to like get surgery health reasons and stuff like that. So 
I had to take a year off. And then after that, I got it uh, three years ago, actually. My so CDL, got, yeah. got your CDL three years ago. Where'd you, uh, did you go to school down in Florida? Yeah, so I actually went to school in Florida. I started with good old Cedar Rapids Steel Team. Crash roll and stunt teams. Yeah, I started with CRST. Um, zero out of ten. Do not recommend. They will put you in the truck with somebody you don't know. And in my instance, I just happened to got so, get somebody that had three accidents within two weeks. Okay, so let's let's backtrack. So <laughs> the school you went to was it CRST school or did you go? Did you pay out of pocket? Uh, no, it was so it was a contractor school. So um, uh-huh. I did not pay. I did not pay for anything until afterwards because uh, I didn't complete my contract. But it was um, it was called JTEC Institute, or it is called JTEC Institute. It's up in Jacksonville, Florida. They put me up in this raggedy ass hotel. Really bad. Um, but the school was actually really good. So it wasn't one of those like steel mills, one of those Swiss schools where they kind of just. So it was like a really. It was a, to me personally. It was a really good school. Like uh, uh, one of the instructors, um, he was a he was a marine. He he was still actively in the marines, um, and he was doing. He's been doing this for like I don't know, like twenty years. And a lot of guys there, a lot of the instructors there were like very, very, very good. Like I I would ask questions and they would answer. And like I even asked them questions about stuff that wasn't on the curriculum. Um, and like, I was like, you know, how do you hook up? They'll, okay, no, you do this, this, that, the third, and just tips and tricks and stuff like that. And it was like, literally my school experience was very, very good. The only bad part was the hotel that I was staying at and the company that I just happened to sign that contract with, but the school was really good. Okay. Now we, we got a commenter in here, uh, Mr. Robert Powell on LinkedIn. He's chopping in. What, what was the name you just called CRST? Cause that was a good nickname. I want to hear that too. What's their nickname? Crash roll and stunt team. Crash roll and stunt team. That's good. I can't wait. I can't wait to use that one too. <laughs> okay, so we we had a similar kind of experience. I went to a school that was an independent school. I went to ATDS uh, in in Colleen, Texas, and now it wasn't. That's a school that Pam Transport paid for me to go to. I commuted to that school because I only lived about forty five minutes away. So this is the same thing. Like everybody who went to your school, uh, not everybody. It was going to CRST right after, like some of them were going off to different companies. So, okay. So yes and no. So in my specific class, my specific uh, group, we were only CRST students, but on the other side of the school, they did have their own, like they did, the, the two classes were separate. Okay. So they were, we weren't together at any one point. So like we, uh, we use CRST provided trucks and trailers and everything like that. And gotcha. they, they had their own section on the other side for their independent people who were paying out of pocket. No, I got you. That, uh, that, that, that makes sense. So it was a, it was a larger school. And so, but yeah, so CRST is just heavily involved with, with that. Now this, this is a question because I noticed this with other uh, large carriers in school. Did they give you the option to get a, to, you know, to get, you know, to be able to drive a manual or did they push you th- through automatics? So I, I do not have a restriction. Fun fact, I was actually the second to last class with that CRST program to get my license in a manual. Really? So they yeah. so they don't do that. So if you were to try to get your CDL now out of the same school through CRST, they you're getting automatic. Correct. And I don't even think CRST 
does has a contract with that school anymore because they've been sending everybody up to, I think it's like a school in Colorado or a school up in Cedar Rapids or something like that, um, where it's all automatic. Uh, I, okay. I, I did know, like, after I left, I did know that, like, I think you had the option to go manual, but I wasn't, I'm not there anymore. It's been three years, so I don't know how accurate that information was or is at, at this time. No, yeah, no, I got you. This is good information to have. I, I'm trying to, I, I've had, I haven't had a, you're, you're the first like former CRST guy on here. So getting, getting this Intel is good. This is, this, yeah. this is, this is stuff, you know, people need to hear about because um, it, it's important to know what's going on. I've mentioned on this show, I don't believe in getting rid of automatic trucks because, Hey, there's old guys out there with shot knees and stuff like that. However, from a training perspective, having the barrier to entry of the manual restriction um, is just better training uh, yeah. overall personally. And I think you could probably agree. I mean, that, that at least in having that in your, in your back pocket, knowing, because you know, you you're better able to under gauge the control of the vehicle. Personally. Yeah. So I, I personally feel like, um, like, you know, I can control the vehicle a lot better. So like, I actually just got into this automatic and, I've been like reaching for a stick that's not there because I, I want to control the V I want to like, feel like I can, if I need to downshift the gear, if I need to like, it just, I feel like I'm more in control of the vehicle. I'm for, I feel like I'm more in tune with my vehicle. Um, and I think that makes for a better driver. Um, personally, um, even like regular four wheelers, like I have a, I have an automatic car and I have also have a manual car. I prefer to drive my manual car over my automatic. Just the automatic is a little bit more, you know, more luxurious, more comfortable. Yeah, I'd love to look at the stats on if, you know, car companies, you know, went back to only manufacturing manuals, how much distracted driving would go down. I think it's I think it's hey, maybe it could be something worth investigating for people. Yeah. So so CRST, what what so what was it? you you so you got with a trainer. So you were put with a trainer. Your trainer had the three accidents or they forced you to team. No, so okay, so CRST is a is a team only. It's a team only company. Team operated trucks, all of them, um, except they had like a few exceptions, a few solo exceptions. And we're talking about CRST expedited. We're not. I'm not talking about CRST dedicated or CRST uh, specialized or the flatbed. Um, CSC CRST expedited is team only. Um, as far as you know, I was there three years ago. Um, so they're mainly like team loads, uh, you know, hot loads, ready, or stuff like that. So as soon as you get out of school, your trainer will call you all that good stuff. And then you get on the, you get on the phone with your trainer, see where they're going to pick you up. I happen to just have one of the better trainers there. And I actually still talk to her to this day. Um, so she was great, like 20 years experience. Um, fun fact, I met her at the, uh, there's a drop yard over there in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee, right across the street from the Loves, or like right down the road. And I was literally three hours in. She's like, all right, we're going to go practice some backing, practice some backing. She's like, okay, I'm going to go take a nap. But she was still, she was still a great trainer. I'm not going to knock her for that, but she was still a great trainer. Um, other than that, like the experience with CRSC was kind of, was kind of bogus. Cause after that you spent three weeks there or like 21, 28 days, something like that. So about three weeks with your trainer. Then you, um, I picked somebody, somebody to team with from my, from my orientation class. Cause I thought we were like getting along. And then it's just like, kind of like the line 
leading the blind because you put two brand new people in a truck and um i'm the type of person i came into this industry i'm like i'm asking i'm asking a lot of questions i ask questions at the school i ask questions to my trainer i ask any questions that i can ask i was asking it and he would just wake me up for everything hey bro what is i remember one of the more ridiculous ones i was in um we was up in chicago it's like what's a lumper fee man i don't know i got the same amount of time on a truck as you do call dispatch and figure it out i don't know i'm going back to sleep and uh, next thing you know he like ran over a wall or some shit oh nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh man that stuff see that that i don't understand at uh at, i mean it's just crst I, i'm curious what their turnover numbers are but the idea of putting guys in teams on expedited freight just tells me, I mean, if anybody, if anybody on LinkedIn is watching or listening, or if anybody who works for, or if anybody who's a broker or whoever here's like knows this, like, Hey, you know, cause team team drivers and finding teams for a broker is very rare. And it's just, that's, you know, the, just the idea that a, a, a team truck could be driven by guys with less than three months ex- experience should tell is tells a lot. And, you know, yeah. it tells a lot about the status of the industry. So that's so that's crazy. So this guy, while you were with him, he crashed three times. Yeah. So he did. Um, he ran over a wall in Chicago. It was one of those like um, it wasn't a big wall. It's kind of like half like kind of like when you're backing into a dock. It was a street back, which I had to back it in for him anyways. On him pulling out, he uh, went over the it's like about it wasn't that tall. Ran the trailer right over it. Couple days later, at a FedEx, um, he—I don't know what he was doing. He was backing up to the trailer, and I'm like, literally five, like two minutes into my sleep, and he just backs into the trailer. Truck had to get like um, broke the fairings off. Truck had to get—we had to go get a whole nother truck because like there were like holes in it and everything. And then he at a some spot in Illinois, he like ran it into a ditch. Oh man, that's tough. Now, yeah. now, now, nothing happens. Nothing happens to your CDL when that happens, right? I would, I would assume not. But nothing. I don't think so. Yeah, nothing did happen to my CDL. I mean, none of them were like, not, no accidents where like the cops were called or anything like that. Um, everything was just kind of, you know, kept driving after the first two, and then that last one, I kind of was like, all right, well, I need to find me somebody else because yeah, you're so, not yeah. working out. Yeah, so how'd you split off from that, and and like how how'd your how'd the rest of your tenure at CRST go? So after that, at that point, I had like about a month and a half in already, or like about seven weeks, including training. So three weeks training, the rest with him. Um, after that, it was another kid from the training class. I was like, all right, well, you know, let's team because it's either that, either somebody that you barely know that you kind of already met, or you just pick from a list. So kind of drove with him, but he wasn't driving like he would drive like three hours. And this was before they uh, changed the the regulations on the the ELD regulations. So, you know, once you started your eight hour clock, like your eight hour clock was ticking down. Mm -hmm. So he would just drive for like 30, 45 minutes to an hour, take like a 20 minute break, drive, take another 20 minute break, drive, take another 20 minute break. So at the end of his shift, he would only have driven like. 250 miles if that oh yeah man he's yeah you got to keep that left door closed man he's he's killing time out there yeah he was killing a lot of time and then i left you know 
I would be left, you know, to be driving to 500 miles or so, whatever the hell it was. And then um, at the end of that, like, we kind of went home for home time, and I just emailed them. And I'm like, I left the truck in his possession. You do what you do with that information, what you will. But the truck is not abandoned. I left it with him, and he ended up like leaving the truck abandoned somewhere in a parking lot. I always thought about that at the home time with a team driver when you're with a teammate who's not your spouse or not like your friend from the same town. So, so this was the first time you went on home time with him because, yeah, essentially, I'm sure they probably set it up to where you guys probably lived within 300 miles. Uh, yeah, so I, I live in southwest Florida over by like Fort Myers. And he lived up at the time in like the Orlando. So it's about it's about a three and a half hour drive. Yeah. Um, so it was I think it's like 150 some 60 something miles, something like that. OK, so that makes sense. And so the first time you went on home time, you're like, yeah, I, I I'm just out. Left, I, yeah, I left the truck with him. I already had a job. As a matter of fact, I was coming into the scales on uh, into California. I was coming into the ag station on 10. And as I'm coming through the way station, I'm like, it's probably not smart to say this, but I'm like clicking my phone, click clacking my phone, freaking filling out applications. Like we need to go. He's like, oh, I need, I need, I need the recruiter for the second company that I went to. He's like, I need you to send me this, that, the third. All right. I'm in the scale. Okay. And I just kept click clacking after I left the scales. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was out of there. Yeah. No, I, I feel you on that. It's it. That's what it's like at some of these, larger carriers i mean like uh because you know was your i felt you you feel like a number you you truly do like to to how it works and it's like even when i remember when i quit pam and what like when i left it was like it was routine like i had wrote this nice message on the qualcomm and this email and it was just like off the rip Hey, the, you, um, can you, it, it, like the response was just, can you drop your truck off in Irving? It wasn't like, Hey, what can we do better? Or blah, blah, blah. Or where are you going? Or anything. It was just like, can you drop your truck in Irving? You know, we'll pay you for a bus ticket. And it's like, you almost, it's like, you're, a, it's like they, you know, they spoke to me like I'm a hooker or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I've realized that um, I've quit a couple of, actually, the, when I, I worked at CFI as well, that's where I really got, like, all my experience was CFI, like, or at least my, like, first year, the rest of my first year. And CFI was actually more, more like, the, the my driver manager, she's like, oh, is there any, like, she legit, like, was, like, really, really such a, like, I, I loved her as a fleet manager. She's like, hey, is there anything we can do better? Like, you know, anything, you know, um, are, do you mind dropping off the truck to the to the terminal and Joplin up there? And I'm like, no, I don't mind. Like, you know, nothing. You guys did nothing wrong. I'm just going to a better opportunity. And she even called me like two months later. Talking, hey, are you like, you know, do you want to, can you come back? Are you willing to come back? At this point, I already had like a year and a half. So she's like, you know, we're looking for some qualified trainers. And while you're here, like, I'm looking like you no service failures. Like she was really like on top of it. And CFI is a much bigger company than uh, my last company, Central Oregon. And they actually didn't like at that point, I said, I'm not like I'm not sending a nice message. I'm not sending a nice message. Like I'm calling in like, listen, I'm quitting. Where do you want me to leave this truck? Do you want me mm-hmm. to take it back or do you want me to just drop it off at a Kenworth? Oh, no, bring it back. OK, cool. And that's that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Like there was no other conversation. So 
you know, I guess even the smaller companies can do that too. You know, it's not yeah. just the bigger ones. So you, you're saying that that's how it ended up with central Oregon. Yeah. Like when they central- dropped it off. Okay. Yeah. We'll get, so after you leave CRST, you go to CFI. Yes. Okay. It's from CFI from there. Now I've seen CFI a lot. I talked to a driver from there. He said, he said he got fired because he didn't have his seatbelt on in a truck stop. Is there any validity to that? Because I think they have driver facing cameras. I think it might've been his like second time getting caught without his seatbelt on. I'm just curious. This is my own curiosity asking. When I was at CFI, CFI was about what, uh, about a year and a half, uh, two years ago. Um, I think I want to say 2021 or something like that. Um, the drive, they did have driver facing cams, but it wasn't turned on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't turned on to the fact that I even had a piece of tape over mine and I never got a call for it. Um, they did have dr- front drivers, so I don't know what the validity of that is, but I know safety is a big thing over there. Actually, one of their, um, when I was working there, one of the newer safety guys was actually a former DOT officer. So there was a lot of good insight there regarding safety and all that good stuff. But I don't know what I, I, I don't know what their rules are now, because since then they were sold by T-Force or by Transforce to Heartland. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what Heartland's uh, I never worked for Heartland. Don't never talk to a driver from Heartland. So I don't know what what their policies are and stuff like that. I wonder if the, if that's what change happened because it, what's crazy, I just actually did an episode not too long ago because CFI, for the same reason that recruiter was calling you, it, they are, they're truly desperate for trainers because yeah. of their, because of their turnover. They're asking the FMCSA for an exemption uh, mm-hmm. on, on, you know, uh, their OTR trainers because they're having such a hard time because they don't have enough trainers for the amount of students coming in. Yeah. And it's, and it's crazy. It's they, and just, just by, and this is just me thinking out loud is they've invested money in their safety department by hiring a former DOT officer when they could be investing that money uh, towards employee development, which could probably keep their turnover lower. And then thus they wouldn't need so many trainers and to try to lure you back in. Right. That, yeah. That's just, that's just me thinking out loud. I, I yeah. Like I said, they're, they're a large, they're a large carrier. Uh, I mean, that's good. So, but your overall experience with CFI, something like you don't have any super complaints about. It was pretty. I, I mean, I loved it there. Um, the one thing that I can, the one bad experience that I've had there um, is probably like I had one, a night dispatch calling me like while I'm sleeping and stuff like that. But I ripped her a new one. And then my fleet manager called me the very next day and apologized about, about that whole situation. Oh. So personally for me, it was a good experience, but CFI to me is not a company that, you know, you make five, six, seven million miles at. Um, there are drivers out there that have been there that long. I personally wasn't going to be one of one of them because they are just another another Swift and another one of these starter companies that you kind of just got to go to the school, get your experience and then go it's somewhere a, yeah. else. It's know? a stay. Yeah, it's a stepping stone for, from there. That's um, no, that's it's funny. You you got uh, you got check called by a dispatcher. And man, if only there was somebody to ever escalate that, too, because I've gotten check calls from brokers, you know, that uh, oversee people overseas who, who want to know where the load is at two in the morning. And it's like, you don't have <laughs> I don't have anybody to complain to about that. I would have loved right. if somebody could have apologized to me for that. But no, that's <laughs> right. So from so from CFI, what yeah, what 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 made you end up leaving there, and wh- where'd you go next? 
Um, so from there, I just kind of um, wanted to go, you know, make more money. Um, I was make at that time I was making like 900 bucks a week, which for being a, under a year personally for me, I feel like that was okay. Like I wasn't, you know, I was just kind of getting my foot in the door. And then after that, I was like, all right, I got my year experience. There's money out there. There's money mm-hmm. to be made out there. There's way more money. I went over to Creek Carriers. I was pulling over. I was pulling um, the, for Schaefer, uh, their reefer. But then after that, I went with a, a husband of my one of my aunts who's been um, who's been in the game for a couple of years. About like he's been driving for like around ten, has his own authority. So I kind of went over after three months of pulling reefer. Um, Crete was good. There was nothing wrong with Crete. Um, other than really intense micromanaging, like when I mean really intense, like if you get five, uh, five extra gallons, like, uh, let's say you're fueling up, you got your fuel stop, you got five gallons, you're fine. You get six, you're getting a call the next day. Hey, you fuel too much at this fuel stop. So that was like a no go for me. Um, so I left them and then I kind of went with my aunt's husband and I kind of just, I pulled, I pulled with him for like about a year. Yeah, about a year. I was uh, I was actually driving a Dub Nine, eighteen speed. Um, oh hell yeah! Yeah, so I was actually I trained with him for like about a month and a half. We team drove because I only had experience with the ten, but I only went to school for the ten. I didn't really have experience with the ten. I only knew barely, you know, how to. I didn't know how to float gears and none of that, you know. So I drove with him for a good minute, and then I actually became an owner up after that. Mm-hmm. And I stood, and I actually stood with him. I leased on with him. I went into business with somebody. I bought a classic and was going to pay him the money back. And all of a sudden, it turns up, you know, you got to pay me 1200 bucks a week. And at this point, the market's already kind of like, you know, I'm doing, I was pulling, um, I didn't have my own trailer or nothing like that. So I was doing, uh, what do you call that? Power only. Mm-hmm. I was doing power only. So, you know, the money's not, not great there. The money's not great to begin with. The money's definitely not great there. And then he's like, you got to pay me 1200 bucks a week. I said, what? So I was actually staying broke for like the first, for the first three months. I actually, like I had the truck for three months. I was staying completely broke because I was only bringing in like about 22, 23 after expenses and all that stuff. And he's like, well, you know, either pay me the money or bring me the truck. So I took him to truck and I said, well, screw it. Like, I don't, I'm not going to stress myself out for, for a damn truck especially not when the market's like this. So I, I gave it back. I gave it to him and I went over to central Oregon and then I was there for like about eight, nine months. Awesome. So basically from this, so you, you, man, you should have stayed in that W nine. I talk about the clout you can get wow. from that. I mean, you know, what on TikTok, what you can get with a, you know, with a, with a fucking beast machine like that. You know, yeah. I think you're one of your former coworkers, but Bethany, she just got one and man, yeah. that thing's, that thing's, a, that thing's a beast. It looks, yeah. it looks, look good you gotta be looking yeah. out you gotta be looking out for the clout dude yeah i mean <laughs> I, I i i was looking out I, I i made it a little bit you know i was i was making a couple videos here and there on tiktok i was more on youtube i was still more on youtube at the time so like and it's like i mean i had a 6nz in it caterpillar like it was it was definitely a beast um but then you know the opportunity came to get that truck the classic that i got which i could i was also going to use it for clout you know put it mm-hmm. all nice and then it, that went to shit. So I said, you know what? Let's go try flatbed then. Yeah. So the, yeah, the market took a tumble. Now you, you, this truck, I'm assuming you were, now you were leasing this truck from a gentleman or he kind of, you kind of just went in on a down payment or what have you. So, 
so it was kind of so it's a close it's a close it's a close guy well not close to me anymore but it's like my brother's dad pretty much so it's oh my so not dad. your not your aunt's husband not the no. it has nothing to do with the previous the classic yeah thing. the classic has nothing so i'm actually still good with him like if i wanted to i can go because he has two trucks my aunt's husband i can go drive one of the trucks but he's not he's not going to give me the w9 yeah. anymore he's going to give me the columbia that he has oh yeah i don't want to <laughs> drive the columbia <laughs> so um but my brother's dad he kind of gave fronted me the money or whatever and then kind of like he thought that he kind of wanted me to really work with one of his close friends or something like that he really wanted me to work with him like so bad that i, I already knew i was like this man they're gonna they're gonna scam me but they're gonna, they're gonna go into the Raycon and, and bring down the price already than what it is, and then still take their their percentage from the top. Like so, I was like, "There's no way I'm gonna go drive with this guy." Mm-hmm. So then he was like, "Oh well, you know, bring me back the truck or or take." So I was like, "All right, take the truck. I guess you know what you're doing with it, right? Take it." Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, dude, that's good. You were able to walk out of that because you know that you know there's been people who are, there's people who are locked into wor- worse situations. So that's good. You were able to get out and set. And so at that point, you know, you've, you have multiple years experience. And so in central Oregon, I think, uh, I believe Joe came on the show and Jesse, I think you, I think they're looking at now you needed a year and they'll train you on flatbed. So you went over with mm-hmm. them and, and that was your first flatbedding experience with, with, yeah, going so with I, them. they didn't know, they didn't, I didn't know a thing about flatbed. And I actually, when I first came into the industry, I said, I'm, there's no way I'm doing flatbed. There's no way I'm going to be outside, not even for the cold, I don't like the heat. There's no way I'm going to be outside in Arizona, 125 degree weather, tarp and stuff. No way, no way, no way. And then I said, you know what? Screw it. So I called a recruiter and I actually saw the way I went over there was through uh, was through Joe and Jesse. I was watching their videos on TikTok and I'm like, this seems like a good company to drive for. Like, you know, they're pretty cool. Like, all right, cool. So I went over there. Um, in the winter, like the recruiter, the, the recruiting process was actually pretty smooth. I loved my recruiter. Um, like, and I was like, all right. He's like, you know, it's going to be a learning curve. You don't know anything about flatbed. You're going to be out there in the cold. You know, it's it's going to be a tough, it's going to be an uphill battle for you. And I said, well, I'm good with the cold. It's okay. I can throw layers on. So um, went over the went over there, um, orientation on Monday. So I went over there and... Um, like the orientation process was flawless. Uh, it was it was really good. The the driver coaches there they're all great. But um, at first it started off great, man. I like I really enjoyed it there. I really really did like it there. And then it just after a while it just went to I don't know what it went to, but I don't know if shit's the word, but it definitely went to shit after that. So you just uh, you kind of weren't you weren't getting the miles you that you kind of were looking yes. for. Yeah, so pretty much at first I started off, you know, started off making the miles, making the stuff. And I'm the type of driver, like I, I get to my delivery the night before. If I'm not at the delivery site, even even reefer and drive van, even though, you know, reefer, you know, you got to set appointments and stuff like that. I'm at, I'm in the vicinity. I'm parked on a side street somewhere. I'm parked nearby where I'm like less than 15 minutes away. So I was continuing to do that. Like I was getting the miles, getting the miles. And then it kind of went down a little bit, kind of kept going down. And I'm like, all right, cool. That's okay. Like, it's fine. It's fine. I was netting in like, you know, at first I was netting in like a good 17, 1800, no problem. Then I started netting in like 15, 16. And I said, all right, that's okay. Like I'll take the bad times. If this, if this is what's bad, then I'm okay with that. Then, um, 
I went on home time one time, came back out, and I was it was hard to get like it was hard to get two thousand miles, and I'm like still doing the same kind of work, tarping. My tarp came down to like about forty five minutes, so I'm out here tarping in this hot ass weather weather like especially like I had one load in Plaster City, California. It's like one hundred and twelve degrees outside. Oh hell yeah! Exce- excessive heat warning and all that stuff. And like I'm, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do, and I'm doing it right. And then I'm noticing I'm not getting the miles, and I'm like, "Yo, what's what's going on?" So, um, and uh, disclaimer: this is my experience. Not everybody has the same experience at that company. So, um, to me, they're still a good company. It was just my experience. My experience didn't pan out. So, um, I'm still doing that, but I'm not getting the miles in. And I'm and I'm working, and I'm noticing like people, everybody, like uh, everybody that I would talk to on the phone, you're you're rolling a lot, and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm running. But I'm not like it's not my running is not equating to my the money that I'm getting, so I just I had to like call it I had to call it a day because there was only so much I could say you know there's only so many times I could call in like hey can you send me a load, um you know I'm my ETA is this I'm gonna be there for on time delivery can you please send me a load and I was, you know having I didn't have loads before i was unloaded and yeah i would even call yeah Yeah, i wasn't pre-planned and i was um i was calling in with my eta like hey look listen um i'm gonna be unloaded tomorrow by 9 a.m whatever i'm like on time delivery stuff like that and i was i just wasn't getting pre-planned the communication wasn't there like it was for me it was it was a complete shit show after like a couple months being there no, yeah, I can. Uh, what I can tell you is, I, I don't think you're. I don't think you're alone in that right now. If as a company driver, and I understand maybe you know it's because they got to spread out the miles the best they can, and I'm right. not trying to. And I'm not trying to rationalize or speak for them, but you know this was becoming my issue. You know, uh, as you know, uh, the entire summer, even after I got back after my accident, was you know because you started with Central Oregon in January. I started and actually started in November. Okay, so you started in November, and yeah, I so I got on. I, I contracted on with Warren Transport in January, and I started off like running good. And this is in the winter time, doing specialized, moving oversized stuff. And I was getting loads. I was always pre-planned, and even before I was pre-planned, I'd have load options. Like I would have options of three to five uh, stuff that they had coming from their customers, and then so, slowly over time. Like I was getting pre-planned less and less. And I mean, there are even company drivers out there now who are waiting, waiting on their, you know, waiting for the next load. uh, The loads are taken are only going two, 300 mile clips. So I'm curious if just you're one of those cat, you know, possibly you were one of those casualties of the market. I mean, overall, you know, you're on TikTok just like I am, you know, rates, rates are in the toilet. Um, Demand is absolutely plummeted. So, I mean, a lot of that's going on and it's just, so, I mean, this is, this is good information for people to hear that, Hey, even, you know, a good company that, you know, is normally has been a great outfit, unfortunately is, you know, having, having retention issues now due to the market. And I think that that's, I think that's important to realize, like I said, and look, yeah. And you're absolutely right, dude, you got to look out for number one, you got to do what's best for you. If they're not getting you the miles, if they're not, if you, you know, if you're trying to work and they're not, and, and there's nothing, and there's no work for you to be done, you got to go find that work, you right. know, and that's just, that's just how it is. So I, it's unfortunate it had to happen to you because like I said, I've, I've had Joe and Jesse on the show. They seem like a great outfit. I'm sure, I'm sure they are. And it's just, 
maybe you know sometimes that's just how the cookie crumbles but that's your experience right like yeah so that's why i said like i put that disclaimer out there because i don't want to i'm i'm good friends with joe and jesse and they do great work so i'm not i'm not saying that what they're i don't want the people to think that what they're putting out there is a lie because it isn't i had those miles i had those 3500 weeks and those 3600 mile weeks i've had those miles just i guess i became you know the with the market and everything i became one of those numbers and you know it happens it's nobody's fault it's not their fault it's not my fault it's you know i had to find my better opportunity which came up but also like i've still like i still everybody in the office i still think they're good people everybody in the office even with um you know i've had maybe some minor communication issues and stuff like that and you know there's nothing that you can't call them about, you know, Hey, you know, I feel like this, this, that, the third. And personally in the office, I feel like they're great office staff. Um, are there some things that maybe they could work on? Yeah. But their open door policy, you know, you can talk to them and stuff like that. Um, but I just felt like, you know, uh, I got to look out for myself the same way, the same way they look out for them. You know, the company has to look out for themselves. So, you know, if you're like a safety liability and stuff like that, they're going to, you know, they're going to let you go and whatnot. So I, 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 the way I think about when you have a job or you're working for somebody, um, the same way they can let you go is the same way you have to let a company go. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not quitting. I'm firing you pretty much. Like I pretty much fired them to find another fit. Yeah, man. No, but that's well said. And, and Hey, yeah, you were candid on here on what your paychecks were coming in from them. You know, I, I never, you know, ask anybody to share, you know, the, the exact amount of money that, that, that they're making. And, you know, you candidly open that up and that makes sense that from, and, and just from my experience, you're absolutely right. When it comes to the weather, I can tell you that so anybody who thinks flat betting in the cold is an issue. Absolutely not. The, the first thing I chained down, I mean, and I'm, you know, we're from the Northeast. We know what winter feels like. And first load I chained down, it was, you know, it was a John Deere tractor. It was 25 degrees in Iowa, it was snowing. I loved every minute of it, but I had to, yeah, I had to, uh, I had to chain down, you know, a 12 foot wide, 14 tall combine, not far from California where you were from. I was in Holt, Holtzville, California. It was like 115. Cause, and then, I mean, it was absolutely, you know, hell on earth. It was literally, it's literally, that's what it is down there. It's brutal. And I thought like, that was my problem with when I first came into, I'm not doing flatbed. It's not because of the cold. It's because of the heat. No, the, the heat will do it. Throwing those, those tarps are 80 pounds, throwing those things Man, over in a hundred degrees. Like, and like shade and all, like I was in shade and all, but that didn't help anything. I went through like, if I say I went through six bottles of water, I, I would say that's too little bit of water that I went through. Like I mm -hmm. went through a lot of water. That yeah, day. Just, just talking about it, it's making me make me drink, make me drink <laughs> some water, get get me hot. But so that leads you. So you, you you split from Central Oregon. You got a new opportunity. So where are you at now? So right now, I'm not going to disclose my company name, but I am. Um, you can say it's one of those Chicago-based carriers. I'm not. A Chicago-based carrier, but it's one of those kind of outfits. The stereotype patterns. Yeah, we call them patterns here. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's this it's the pattern. It's the the um, I don't uh, can't find a word for it. Um, the stereotype. Mm -hmm. So it is one of those stereotypes, and I've been here for about like I want to say 
I started last Wednesday, so today's Tuesday, so six days. I've been here six days, and I've been from Florida to Washington, and I'm in uh, about to be in Nebraska now. So, so here's so you, you've been with them a week, and already you're you're getting as you're getting the mile you're getting the miles you want. Yeah, and I'm not even so like right now I'm not even mileage pay, but these are the loads that they're you know they're getting for me, and um, the money's seeming to be here the the first six days. So, which I'm, I'm grateful for. Um, but it's definitely a lot of running, man. Um, the stereotypes out there about these Chicago-based companies, uh, I do not drive a white Volvo, but I do drive a red one. <laughs> I do drive a red one, okay? Uh, foot on the dash and all. So, if you see me uh, with my foot out the dash, don't say nothing, please. Uh, no, but all jokes aside, I actually don't do that. That's I, don't, I find that actually kind of disturbing. Um, but... Um, the stereotypes that are out there about these Chicago-based companies uh, with the logbooks and stuff like that, um, it is not a stereotype. It is the truth. Uh, okay. You got, dude, I can't, uh, I can't put into words how much I appreciate the, the honesty and integrity on here because, uh, you know, sometimes people hear these things and they think it's nuance, but uh, it's, it's a reality. And uh, it's something that I've gone on a, another show. I've, I went on the Sense Per Mile podcast and we, we talked about this. And we kind of almost talk about how the the CRSTs are almost one and the same of the Chicago-based carriers. They're both mm-hmm. w- with how they operate. It's almost very parallel. It's almost like one's above the ground, one's tunneling beneath, right. uh, and and kind of how how the state of the industry is. But this is where, and we talked about this beforehand, and and you know, it's just we're coming to the point to where that's where we're at in the industry is. Because here, let me actually backtrack. I just posted an Instagram reel and a TikTok video about a sponsored ad I just got on Instagram for a mm-hmm. Mendoza recruiting company. And I'm gonna tie I'm gonna tie this in a minute. And this Mendoza recruiting company will source you Mexican drivers uh, through this uh, visa program. And essentially, since this visa program get you know allows them to work in the US for three years. The, the, your company your, or your carrier will have this driver for three years. So you won't have to worry about them quitting in three months or a month, kind of like, you know, you leaving CRST and in, in three months or something like that, or a carrier won't, or almost similar to, you know, say for example, your, your aunt's husband. And even though he still would give you the opportunity, you know, it probably wasn't the greatest that you got out of his truck, you know, so it gives you guaranteed labor for three years. But the thing is those people are going to work at companies for what the current, necessarily average pay is in the industry. And so because the average pay isn't paying a prevailing wage, what people who want to stay in this industry and truly love the job are almost forced to do is make the decision that you've made to go to go and get this job. And I'm, I don't fault anybody for this. I don't fault anybody for it. I don't think it's a bad thing. And the thing is, it, you can't fault it because no one's doing anything to stop it from existing. And so, and, and I almost, I almost, Tip, tip my cap and, and salute you for doing it because we just listen. You know, we just spoke, been spoken for the last fifty minutes. You're prob- you're one of the be- better drivers that are out there on the road. You you care about your job. You care about the you care about the industry, and you want and you know what can it can improve on. But hey, at the end of the day, you're the common denominator of these situations, and so you got to put yourself in that best position to move to move forward. So I I can't appreciate you enough for for sharing that, you know, cause that's the thing for the people listening to the show. And if you don't know what we mean by Chicago based carrier, 
feel free to shoot me a message and and I can I can explain <laughs> that uh, how you are. So you, you so this is brand new, brand new. So and yeah. you're with them for a week and they're getting you getting you the miles. Yeah. So yeah, they're getting me the miles and. Um, but you're not paid by the mile. You're, so you're getting I'm, percentage. I'm getting percentage pay, um, ten ninety nine. So it's literally the the stereotypes that you hear out there about these companies. It's literally what I'm doing, and um, I will say this: not every company is the same. So if there's somebody out there trying to go look for one of those carriers, you got to be careful who you choose. I just got lucky. Uh, one of my boys was in here already, and I came in here knowing what kind of what was expecting but you hear a lot of stories out there you know this this company left me out here in the middle of nowhere and they left they leaving me out in chicago and i live in california or i live in arizona and it's like i was very at first i was like i i don't know about this like uh but he's been here a year so i kind of like all right cool um i have a buddy who actually went to another one of those uh chicago base carriers not based in Chicago, but based in New Jersey. Mm. And it's kind of like the same thing. But instead of running, instead of messing with the logbook, he just has a second logbook. <sighs> so like there, like it's out there. There's money in this industry, but the way we can find it legally without having to, you know, do run through hoops and, and, and whatever it is that we got to run through to get this money, um, we got to do it. We got to find, you know, we got to find a way to make the money and doing it legally with 11 hours drive shift and stuff like that. Um, it's not, I'm not going to say it's not possible because it is possible, but it's becoming harder and harder, especially when you mentioned that Mendoza recruiting stuff and, you know, and no fault of their own of, you know, immigrants coming in on work visas and trying to get, that's a whole, that's a whole different, like, that's a whole different, it's not their fault that they're coming over here working for 35 cents a mile. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They don't yeah, know no, any better. No, they, they, yeah, they, they don't. And, 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 and if anything, it should be and that this Mendoza recruiting, their offices are in Washington, DC. They're on Pennsylvania Avenue. They're down the road from the white house. If anything, where are the political pundits in this country, the progressives, the pro, the pro immigration people, where are their eyes saying, you know, it's, it's indentured. It's essentially, it's this form of indentured servitude. And it's like, where, where are the eyes on this from all of the talking heads and, you know, the, you know, the political pawns on the internet, you know, because they'll bring it up in regards to anything else, but yeah, no, no fault on, you can't fault the, 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 these Mexican drivers because they're and similar things are being done in Eastern Europe and then out in the Philippines and, and mm-hmm. Indochina and parts of India. It's happening all, all over. Uh, right. You know, not not just them. I, a kid, a kid commented on my Instagram or on on my Instagram Instagram reel saying that they're doing this with a lot of Russian and Ukrainian, you know, people. It's the same thing. They're getting these drivers over here. So I mean, it's just a, it's just another testament of like, you know, how many twisting narratives won't seem to link up and realize like, hey, you know, the the industry used to pay a prevailing wage pre nineteen eighty, and things were different. Things were safer. And when they decided to change that in 1980 and, you know, throw a wrench in whole things, now we see who has the control. The control right. is just large retail companies and people operate outside of the law. Right. And, so, so, you so know, to speak. The ATA is for trucking, but <laughs> fuck the ATA. Really? Like they're <laughs> not doing anything. For, they're literally not doing anything for us at all. I, yeah. The, the, there's lobbying organizations out there that could 
be putting a stop to this. Uh, and you know, that, that's, a th and that's, that's what their job is. That's the thing. So from, from, the, you know, from that perspective, even from the perspective of OIDA, where, you know, where, where is their comment on this? You know, because even on the Mendoza recruiting website, it mentions, you know, these lobbying organizations talking about the driver shortage. It mentions all, it's all out in the open. And that's why it's, it, it's, and it, it doesn't matter even down to the double brokers. It's just completely brazen, you know, what's, you know, what, what, what it's, what it's come down to, but look, man, I, 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 I appreciate this, this level of honesty. I, I really, really think that it, it, this was an important conversation to have and get and get out there. You know, I, I left it up to you on what you were willing to talk about. And uh, it, it, it means a lot. Um, if I, I know, I know you probably, you might want to get rolling again, but I, I do got to, I do have, I guess, two, two last, two last oh, I got, comments, I got some questions. Time. I oh, got perfect. Some time. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I got plenty of time, man. <laughs> time <laughs> is on my hands right now. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's on you. You've, you've got some autonomy back. Look at that. Um, is so you're, and I say this as somebody who's worked off the spot market, are you, you have like a company seller, they send you the rate con. Yeah, so they they uh they send me the Raycon and all that good stuff. So, um, have you now, been, so the, they've been sourcing their loads? You don't so you get your are you have you been talking to brokers? I guess is the best way to put this. Like, have you been engaging with the brokers or? Yeah, so this is my second load. Um, I've talked to brokers before when I was with my aunt's husband. Like I said, so it was he's more like a you know one carrier kind of thing. So I have talked to brokers before in the past. Um. These two loads here, I have talked to two brokers. The first broker was uh, not bad. It talked to me like, uh, hey, uh, see that you picked up? Yeah, I picked up. Okay, hey, see. No, they didn't even call me for the delivery, so uh, forget that. Um, then I saw the second load that I got was the uh, – you want to take a guess on what brokerage they got this load from? TQL? Yes, and I said <laughs> – and uh, he's like, yeah, they're going to call you. Oh, no, they're not going to call me. They're going to blow my phone up, and I'm blocking the number because I will, I will refuse to continue to pick up. Like, you're tracking me. What do you need to call me for every three hours? You see where the load's at. Mm -hmm. uh, no, they but got the macro fact, point. Yeah. They actually called me uh, once at the pickup um, because I filled out the form wrong on their, like, tql app or whatever i like put that there was a problem when there actually wasn't it was by mistake but they actually haven't called me so i guess maybe they're changing their ways <laughs> mm -hmm. now i've i've got a i do have a question I and mean, like i said feel you know if you don't want to share but what so the current load you're on right now is through tql yes and what is what's the rate per mile on it if you so don't um i can't tell you the rate per mile uh because i didn't i didn't calculate it mm -hmm. um but I can tell you that I, it picked up in Portland. It's going to Miami. It is a dry van load, 38,000 pounds, 55.60. So 55.60. So Portland, Portland, Oregon to Miami, Florida. Yes. We're going to, let's get that. Let's just get that raw, raw mileage. Portland, Oregon. I think it's somewhere around like the 30, 3,300, 33. Yeah. Cause I'm down to like 2000 miles. And I've driven yesterday and today. I've driven about a thousand, so about mm -hmm. thirty-three, somewhere around there. You can't find Portland, Oregon to Miami, Florida. So you're saying it's about three thousand miles. I'm curious what that. Uh, 
My and phone is 5560. I can, I have a phone here. We'll do it at 3000 to be, you know, uh, let's see. I have another, if I can pull up the calculator here, that'd be cool. So 5560 divided by about 185. Yeah, man, that's tough. That's yeah. So they, tough. yeah, that, that those, so they're not, so where they might be doing the Chicago stereotype things, they're, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're definitely rates, doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But they're sitting, yeah, they're, so they're not, cause this is curious. We, we engage in conversation on, on Twitter a lot and, it, and dude, if you're not on Twitter, hop on, we're always talking freight on there, but we, you know, there's a lot of talk about the rates mm-hmm. going, uh, you know, a lot of guys are struggling with the rates. We were just talking about the right. market. And so it's good to know that, well, no, it's not good to know. Sorry. And cause I know it has to do with your paycheck, but it's refreshing to hear that. Well, we're, we've, we're finding out who's hauling this freight, so to speak. Right. This is no, this is no fault to you, but people in a lot of Facebook groups and on Twitter, they're wondering how, who's taking this sub $2 per mile freight. Who's, who's taking it. And we, we you know, you're kind of telling us, Hey, who guess who's taking it? And 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 they are. Yeah. And I mean, so here's the thing, right? So obviously I'm losing money, right? Uh, Because they're taking this sub $2 per mile. But then when you look at the gram, if you look at it at my point of view, somebody who's, who who wants to make money, who needs to make money, who's trying to make money. You look at the grand scheme of it all. If I'm fucking with my logbook and shit, right? Obviously, I'm going to be making more money than a company driver somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Because, because I am, I picked this load up on Monday. I'm delivering it Friday. I really didn't start driving till today. So tomorrow I'm driving a thousand miles and Thursday I'm driving a thousand miles. You know what I'm saying? So it's really like five days and I'm, you know, I'm already yeah, be, in Florida. Because so that, and it's, it's a, it's another Testament to, you know, more of, you know, everything we talk about is, is you're, so be, you're able to, yeah, you're able to work more. So that justifies the gentleman who owned your motor carrier to take that cheap freight, because even though they're losing on the back end, they're able to haul more than the guy who's going by the book. Right. Then, then the owner operator, because the owner operators who are, you know, like the gentleman, uh, you know, some of them listen to this show, gentlemen who are part of an organization, uh, T-N-O-O-A, uh, who are a group of owner operators who are who are trying to make headway and make some difference with what's going on with rates? Uh, they don't seem to realize that some of their their competition, uh, it's not necessarily the brokers who, who are who are colluding. You know, it is the a group and cabal of motor carriers operating outside of the the rule of law, and they're able right. to do. You know, for every one that they're able to do, or for every the one I'm, for every one I I would be able to do. You know they're able to do too. Right. You know, it's a, you know, this is pretty, this is some crazy stuff, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this. Right. And it, yeah. I mean, it sucks that I'm like, cause I, I feel part of it right now. Now I'm in it, but at the end of the day, I got to look out for myself. Right. And if I can't make that money running 10 and a half hours a day, 11 hours a day legally with a reputable motor carrier, what the hell am I supposed to do? You know, I didn't go to, I didn't go to college. So I know I didn't go to college. Um, I tried it. It's not for me. Um, so this is what I love doing. Right. So 
in order to get my money up to where it needs to be so I can become an owner operator again and do it and do it the right way and say no to the cheap freight. There's only one thing I can't, I can't make the, I can't make the money there. You know, I'm not doing a lease to purchase because that hell no, yeah, I'm not, that, there's no way I'm doing that. Yeah. That's another get rich Ponzi scheme. Right. So it's like, you know, it sucks, but as me, as one person, I got to look out for myself, you know? No, man, I, I, that's, that's what it is. It's survival of the fittest. You just get, you like I said, you're the common denominator. You got to do it. And it seems like, so that was what I was going to ask. So that's what's next for you. So you're trying to, you want to build back up and you want to go back out uh, and, and do, do your own thing eventually. Yeah. So pretty much. So like all I'm going to do, I'm not going to be with this guy. I'm not going to be with this outfit for long. Uh, it's not going to be, Oh, I'm going to be here for years and years. I'm here to make my money, buy me a truck, get me a trailer, which um, you mentioned to the TikTok comment about the flatbed stuff. So I do want to do flatbed again, but I think I'm, I'm going to, I think I want to go a different route step deck um, because my last outfit, um, although it was flatbed, I was seeing the same, the same amount of, the same amount of um, product, the lumber and this, that, the third. And I want to do, I want to do, I want to do like, I don't know, equipment, farm equipment, stuff like that. Um, essentially, what I really want to do is get me my own truck and kind of go try bull hauling. I really want to, I can say one thing, one thing good is coming out of this. I'm making money. Well, two things. I'm making money and I'm getting myself prepared for the, for the bull hauler. Because I really, that's really what I want to do. I really want, that's the industry I want to be in, man. I'm oh. a city kid. I was born in the Bronx, raised in the Bronx. I'm a city kid, but man, I'm a country guy at heart like i love being out in nature and being out with animals and all that stuff like that's what that's what i want to do but dude that's uh, number one i could say uh the step deck definitely is better if you're gonna flatbed because you can take higher freight and with permits and stuff like that but dude if you're looking to get into bull hauling we can definitely make that i just had a i just had a young girl on the show the other day she can probably connect you with some people uh, and then there's a gentleman I know. He lives in Georgetown, Texas. He could probably find you with somebody. So if you're ever looking into all in bulls, man, because yeah, those are the those are the last you know those are the last remaining outlaws out there too. So we can make that happen. Right. So like that's what I'm looking for. And I mean, I mean, right now I may be in shorts and flip flops, but I do own a pair of boots and I have jeans at home. I just don't need it right now because I'm falling into the Volvo stereotype. <laughs> yeah. And, and for anybody out there and, and, and the last thing I always want to say is we, we got to do some Volvo respecting, you know, I had on a gentleman, Jamie Hagan, good friend of the show, owner of Hellbent express. He's a, he's a huge Mac respecter and obviously Mac and Volvo are kind of, you know, they're, one oh, the same yeah, they're, they're, they're under the same umbrella and, you know, people, people, that's a, it's a really funny thing to do on trucker social media i had chris this gentleman chris tackett on the show i tagged him in your video king volvo he's yeah. very very active on facebook in trucker groups where he actively talks about how great volvos are and the best trucks and it's all funny but the truth of the matter is the volvo i shift is probably the best transmission oh there is. man oh it's such a great so um my last and my last outfit i had a manual kenworth so i can't really say to that um, but when I was over at CFI and Schaefer, I had CFI had a automatic Kenworth. C, uh, Schaefer, I had an automatic Freightliner. This Volvo automatic beats those two. Like I, this Volvo, I love, like I love it. The Volvo truck itself, 
Like, I didn't know until I drove one, but, like, this is – Kenworth is the driver's truck and the T680 and the freight. This Volvo is a driver's truck. There's so much storage in here that, like, I don't even know what the hell I'm going to do with once I finish finally moving into the truck. Oh, no. I, I was in a Volvo at the last company I was a company driver at. has the RV set up. Yeah, the room is, like, unmatched. It was unbelievably comfortable. And dude, it it really is. It's a it's a fucking Cadillac. Like, yeah, it really is. <laughs> like it's such it's such a great like I, I really do like it. I thought like I love I love, Freightliner would be at the least. Um, shorter wheelbase, <laughs> going all over the damn place, shaking. Um, so I really like the Kenworth. Um, you know, it's m- much more smoother to me compared to the Freightliner, but this Volvo, I think, I mean, I think it just takes it because. I mean, on my way here from uh, from Florida up to Washington, you know, 80 is not the best. And I mean, I was just gliding across 80. No problem. I mean, also for the fact that I um, can go over 65.5, 64.5. So um, but like the truck itself, it's so smooth. I mean, you can I got the I guess the RV setup is where you can turn it into the table and stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah, that's great. Um like so much storage, so much space. The refrigerator itself is so much bigger than what the T680 has to offer, which means less spent, less spent time at Walmart buying, you know, groceries and stuff like that. Because I couldn't fit, I couldn't fit nothing but like a pack of a uh, pack of ground beef and maybe a couple Ziploc bags of salad in that thing, you know. Yeah, the the fridge space was like probably the the number one perk I had to say when I when I had the Volvo. Like, yeah, the fridge is taller. Yeah, I could have a lot more than because yeah, essentially I played Tetris and I could get a week's worth of groceries in my fridge. And the Peterbilt Peterbilt has the same fridge as the Kenworth. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, it was a, always a huge pain. I pulled into a lot of WalMarts to repeatedly grocery shop. And yeah, no, it's definitely. It's it, it the the driver's truck is what I'm gonna start using because I know because trust me I know that the the, the W nines and stuff have big sleepers and guy guys hook them up but in reality man I remember going up the I ninety Mountain Pass and, and stuff in in that Volvo and up these hills and you're blowing almost fully loaded you're blowing by freaking dudes in a three seventy nine who are like putting up that hill. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been, uh, I've definitely been passing some of these, uh, these real truck drivers, some know? of those long, some of those long. Yeah. Noses. Yeah. yeah. I've definitely <laughs> been passing them. They've been putt putting across 80 and I just been going glad and by, but I mean, it's definitely such a comfortable truck. And I mean, people hate on them and I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to continue to joke about it. You know, I'm going to continue to, joke about putting my foot on the dash because you know it's 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 fun you know we make make some light out of some situations you know but as far as like the truck itself goes nobody should nobody should be knocking it because they really Mm -hmm. think about they really do think about the driver compared to you know in my opinion you know the t680 and the the freight shaker and and the peterbilts like i feel like volvo has their driver the driver in mind yeah it, it i know that well first the reason why the company i was last company driver for chose volvos the ceo of the company told me he specifically chose them 
and he and he even says he goes, oh, I know some older guys don't like them, et cetera. But the number one reason why he bought them is because in their safety feature is if it's involved in a head on collision, the engine will go underneath the truck like the way it mm-hmm. folds, like it's yeah. the way it goes in a head on collision. And so and essentially it's the safest truck for a driver to be in for a head on collision. And it, like his number one thing was he'll, he would never he could never live with having one of his his drivers ever die in a, in a, in a crash like that. And that, that was one of the main reasons. So safety wise, I think they definitely have it uh, on, on top of, you know, I think they keep it on top of their heads. Like I said, I mean, you know, I had, I had, you know, Jamie Hagen from Hellbent Express. I mean, he got it. He has it down to the fuel mileage, you know, really Mm -hmm. being the science and the Mack trucks. And it it is true. I mean, you know, I think they're, they're definitely the best, best on fuel. There's no way any of the other truck. I mean, maybe the new Peterbilts and Kenworths could, could be better. And like the Cascades are getting there. I don't know, but I mean, I got, you know, Jamie, for those of you who don't follow him, he'll go into detail with anybody about that stuff, but no, they definitely keep a driver focus. Some of the, and it, dude, it's easy engagement on TikTok. As soon as you say Volvo's are the best truck, oh, man, it's 10,000 views. People so, are like, in I'm, your really, I'm doing it. I'm doing it for the clout, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing yeah. it for the clout now. And I mean, like, I really like, uh, I really did like Kenworth. Um, I'm not going to say I don't, I dislike them now, but I, my last, I had uh, my last company, I had two different Kenworth and I just had, so I was, that was another problem why I left too, was just breakdown after breakdown after breakdown um, on my way to turn the truck in actually on my way to, to central Oregon there. Um, the truck turned off on me going down cabbage on 84. So over a coolant um, sensor issue, yeah. which has already been, it was replaced like two or three times on the truck already prior to that. So it's like, I was really so upset and maybe it's the engine model or whatever, PACR, PACR sucks. Don't ever get PACR if anybody's listening, leave it alone, leave it to, leave it at the Kenworth uh, dealership or whatever. But it's, that's, it's... that was my problem too. The, I'm with you, dude. The new you were, were you in a brand new one? No, I was in uh 22. I was in a 20, 22, okay, 21, yeah, so, 22, something like that. Yeah, so newer, but yeah, that's a constant highlight that I you know I bring up. My friend Gore brings up on his show that the newer the trucks have gotten, I mean, just the more neutered and the more electronically just planned for failure that they yeah. are with with sensor upon sensor, um, you know everything, you know. At, whether it, I know early on it was DPF related. Now it's related to just, just, just anything, anything just, and everything. Yeah. And anything that can go wrong. And it's just another cash grab for dealers and dealerships and their, their warranty programs. It's another mess. And at the end of the day, who lo- the carrier doesn't lose the driver loses at the, the end. Driver, when, it comes, yeah. when it comes to any of these coolant sensors, it's the operator loses. whether you're, you own it or not, even if you're a company guy, company guy still loses with all of this, and it adds more into the turnover people don't get. So these, these new trucks where they may be nice on the inside, when every little failure happens to them because they want to, yeah, you don't drive, you don't work. You don't, yeah. So actually, one of one of my bigger breakdowns that I had over the last uh, eight months, out of the many that I've had, because I had at least uh, in the eight months that I was there, eight nine months, I was broken down at least at least eight times, at least once a month. If, you know, maybe more. Um, I went to uh, Cheyenne. I drove all the way from Rawlins. No, from Laramie to Cheyenne on a 
B-rate or whatever. I made it all the way to Cheyenne, get it into the Kenworth. Uh, they replaced something two days, uh, call me two days later. Hey, the truck is ready. And I'm like, cool. I drive 16.8 miles to the point. I remember 16.8 miles. I'm on 25 going southbound just past the way station. Got to call a wrecker. So that's, that's not, that's not safe. I mean, you have all these safe trucks, but that's not safe. If you're having freaking drivers, uh, you know, having to get out and put my vest on and look out for traffic and then having a tow operator come out and freaking, you know, hook up to the, that's not safe at all. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, screw that, man. Like, and, and I lost, I mean, so much money, although I will say, so my last outfit, Central Oregon, you guys don't be discouraged. If you guys want to apply, I, I would you do what I, I don't know if I would recommend it, but I would also recommend it at the same time. Um, but they do, they will get you like, I've just been like twice that I needed to be home. They got me home. Uh, one time they rented me a, my truck broke down in Birmingham. I needed to, I needed really to get home to Florida. They rented me a car. I had home time set, uh, set up in, um, uh, for the for some festival up there in Bend, Oregon, they flew me out um, because they wasn't going to be able to make it. I wasn't going to be able to make it back on time. Um, their breakdown pay is uh, better better than others I, I've seen. It's not like a hundred dollars after forty eight hours or whatever it is. Um, if I'm not, it's somewhere in the like thousands, fourteen hundred, thirteen hundred, something like that. Um, you can probably go comment on Jesse. Ask Joe and Jesse how much they pay for breakdown pay. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but tell you. yeah, so it's definitely like, you know, they're definitely a good fit, just not a fit for me. Yeah, no, that's good. It's good. It's good to know that they had good perks like that. But also a testament once again to yeah, what this technology is doing to drivers, adding to why they want to quit, keeping them down. And it's at the end of the day, it is unsafe. Like just the idea of derating to five miles per hour, just the idea of trucks shutting off, uh, all these all these coolant sensors and stuff like that. Businesses lose money, drivers, and the and and you know. If the businesses are able to afford these new trucks, you know, they'll probably survive, but the driver ends up losing in the end, which always, yep. which always sucks. But, yeah, um, yeah, but Hey man, we, uh, we've been ripping for quite a bit. Uh, I gotta, I gotta use, I gotta use the restroom. I gotta get, I gotta get out of here. It's right. pa- past my bedtime, but dude, I want to, um, I want to have you on again real soon. Uh, All right. yeah, well, can, I, I'd love to, I'd love to have you on more and we can just talk. We'll yeah, shoot, for sure. Shoot. I mean, we can definitely, uh, you know, definitely get into this more. Now that I'm in this, we can figure out what's going on with the market. Now that I, you know, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll save those rate cons and I can do the math on it and I can come back and, you know, we can see if it's getting better, getting worse and what they're hauling for. Yeah, man. I, I definitely love to get that inside baseball because it's stuff that I don't think a lot, you know, a lot of people read freight wave sonar and the and brokers talk and stuff, but you know, now, now we kind of know who's hauling some of this freight and you're, you know, you're a guy on the inside. So we'll have to reconnect soon. Right. For sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed my time here. You, I mean, you're just such a pleasure to talk to. Like we can probably talk for hours. You said uh, Joe was your best friend. This is shots fired for Joe. He is not your best friend. I'm your best friend. Yeah. God, this <laughs> shot, <dude. laughs> I can't appreciate it enough, man. I, I do. Yeah, I could, I could keep going and going. Trust me. I, I've been at, several parties and you know my wife will come over and be like see but is 
is he, is, is he, is he bothering you? Is it, is it, and they'll be like, no, this is really interesting. And I'll be talking about, and I'll be at parties talking about things like the driver shortage and people, and she'll be like, is this annoying? She'll be like, no, this is actually crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like that too, man. I can talk about trucking for like hours, everything that has to do with trucking, man. I just, yeah. I love, I really have a love for this industry and you don't, you actually don't see that a lot from new guys because they just want to get rich quick, but it's not, it's not that it's, for me it's a lifestyle. Yeah, man. No, I, I love it. We love to see it. And anybody's listening and watching, I mean, they need to see that out of you and they need to see that there's people who want this, that, you know, there's people who do have skin in the game who really want to see what's, you know, the, the best parts of this industry shine. And the fact of the matter is guys like you deserve it more, more than anybody out there. And it's just, unfortunately, what on a, on a long enough timeline is guy is, is there's less and less of you guys sticking around. Well, there's less right. and less interstate avocados sticking around. And that's not what the industry needs because the end result just isn't good and uh, isn't good for the labor movement and for all the other good things we need to change in this country. So, but man, I, I can't appreciate you enough for coming on. People can find you on TikTok. Where? So TikTok is interstate avocado. Um, it's spelled just like that. Interstate avocado, nothing else. Um, I'm also on Instagram, interstate avocado. And I may get back to doing YouTube, and my YouTube is Trucker Avocado. So um, I should have a video up within the next month, the next month, because I'm going on vacation. So if you guys want to see YouTube videos, I, I do the long format there. TikTok is just more for raw moments. If I'm having a bad time, bad day, bad something, a great day, good day, something funny, that's for TikToks for. Awesome. Well, hell yeah, man. No, like I said, I, I can't appreciate you enough for coming on. We'll do this again soon. Guys, you know where to find him and Interstate Avocado. You know where to find me at Lombard Trucking. And uh, with that, we're going to head back to the bench. Take care. <laughs>